Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to Netflix and Swill, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I am Caleb. And I'm a five-minute cameo at the end of a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And I'm gonna slap this terrorist across the face, open-handed, and then and then shoot him to death in full view of, you know, 50 other police officers who are wearing body cams. Yeah, uh, in front of the what we said were 40 of their people, but there was definitely not the way it was 40 people. It was definitely closer to 100. Yeah, so we're going <laughs> to we're getting way, way ahead of ourselves here. Um, so our our patron movie was uh, a Bollywood movie, but the whole way through it, it's like we have to fight these 40 terrorists. My fellow my fellow uh, swill people. I don't know if we have a name for our audience. My fellow bored idiots. Uh, the the whole time we're told that they have these 40 terrorists they have to kill. They kill about 700 people during the climax of this movie. Yes. It's amazing. I wanted to I wanted to see something because I, I actually just found out something on a recent podcast that I was on. Uh, Gerald's two piece on a podcast thing uh, where actually if it's an it typically if they're Indian movies that are action, they're actually Tollywood movies and not Bollywood movies. Yeah, because Bollywood does like a lot of sappy romance, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know. I think the distinction is like where it's actually produced, because like RRR is a Tollywood movie. Yes. And that that's why it came up with is uh, is RRR. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were talking about best of 2022. And I brought up, of course, RRR. Uh, Bollywood produces a much higher number of films, blah, blah, blah. Tollywood on average makes 300 movies approximately in Bollywood 1200. Damn. My God. Cranking them out. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Language differences. um, That might be the T in Tollywood. I'm not sure. But Tollywood films are made in Telugu language, uh, Uh, whereas like Bollywood movies are typically in Hindi. Oh, then this actually might be Bollywood. Yeah, I think I think this is. Okay, so ignore me, but we still had a good discussion over this. I don't know. I'm not. Intimately familiar enough with either to be able to tell the two apart, but I love both. Yeah, I I love the idea that we're going to do this over the top action movie, but then in the middle of it, we're going to have a music video. It It's shot exactly. It's it's a music video. It is. It's the way it's shot, lit, executed, the camera angles. <laughs> it's it's just a music video. All right. We, we can't talk about we, this now. We can't talk about it anymore. We have to do other things. I yes. know we're both very excited, uh, but we have to start the show. Yes. So how are you? I'm I'm fine. That's, That's good. I'm glad you're doing fine. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good. I started uh, 
you know, kind of trying to take care of myself better. I started reading and started exercising again. I I started doing I've had it for a while, but I fell off from it. Uh, it probably sounds like a stupid nerd thing for, you know, fat losers who have a hard time getting off the couch. Uh, I'm here to tell you that it's true. Uh, I'm exercising by getting back into ring fit on the switch. Uh, it's an exercise game where you like jog in place to move your character through the level and then fight monsters by exercising. Yes. Um, but it gamifies exercise. So like I get those sweet endorphins and like the hardest thing for me of like sticking to an exercise program has always been measurable progress. So whenever I have a game that says you gained this many experience points and become this much stronger, like that activates like my primate brain that like, oh, I have something measurable that I can, you know, hang my hat on or whatever right. the fuck. Um, it's great. I love it. I've been doing it for a week. Uh, I've been reading for a week. I started reading Dune because I got obsessed with the movie and just like the I, whole concept of it again. Uh, so I've been just like chugging through it. Um, it's an 800 page book. I'm like, I don't know. I've probably put like three serious like sessions into reading it and I've crossed the hundred page mark. So um, I'll keep cranking on it, but uh, it's good. Dune's very good. It's a magical space adventure about worms and the people who love them. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, there you go. And it's actually probably the most refreshing game I've ever played because I want an open world game, but I found that the open world games that typically are put out are the games that are like set in high fantasy worlds. And I'm not always a big fan of high fantasy worlds. And of course, there's also Fallout, which is like a pseudo 1950s, like pulp science fiction set in the future which also I'm not a big fan of. So mm -hmm. this is like, hey, here's actually what like potentially a line of technology will wind up being. And this is basically like you have fucking implants in your body that are all technologically inclined and then allow you to augment yourself in certain ways. Uh, and it's been super refreshing. It's no different than any other uh, open world game. The only difference is the setting, and I think that's making a world of difference. I mean, the the world feels so good and so not lifelike because that's fucking pedantic and uh, sounds like I'm up my own ass. But like, yeah. I I I want to be playing that game because it keeps me invested in the world it has. I think that's what I've been finding that I really enjoy about Dune is that like. It takes place so far in the future that, like, the more fantasy-aligned ideas that the book has, it's like, yeah, that totally seems possible, because they've been doing this for thousands of years. So. Yeah. It's nice to be, you know, taking better care of myself once again. Like, I actually, you know, I'm just engaging my mind instead of just, like, sitting around watching TV and, like, doing whatever the fuck like uh i don't know i don't have like 
constant brain fog. Like I can focus on things and like uh, process information, which is good. Um, I look and feel years younger. I looked in the mirror last night and I was like, I I honestly look like I de-aged like three or four years. Uh, I, I don't know. All I know is I'm going to look like this till I'm fucking like 70 and I'll, <laughs> I'll be good with that. Like yeah. I, I'll be in the Patrick Stewart uh, school of aging. Nice. Where no one can tell us if I'm aging or not. I mean, he aged very gracefully, so mm. I don't know. I I'm I'm on like the Bojack, uh, you know, hashtag brand new attitude, hashtag blessed, hashtag whole new Bojack or whatever the fuck. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm doing none of that stuff. I, w- I will say that uh, Xbox did have this Nike training thing for a while, and you would actually like it, w- it was kind of similar to Ring Fit in a way, but like you'd use the Kinect and it would be yeah. like, are you? D- oh, you're not doing this right. Or, hey, that wasn't a full rep. Like, do it right, you fuck. And I, and I always thought that was like a really neat idea that other people should have copied and no one copied it, uh, I guess, because it didn't do anything like in terms of numbers because that's typically the way this kind of shit works and so yeah but yeah i've always wanted someone else to copy it i guess ring fit kind of exists for that so good for you yeah i don't know it's uh i don't know if that game's still really hard to find i know for like a while after it came out you just couldn't get it but yeah i don't know you you put on like a leg strap with a controller in it that like measures your steps and then you have like a ring with a controller in it that you like press and pull and, you know, move around to do the things. Right. It's stupid. I like it. Uh, that sounds like most of the things we like, honestly. All right. Uh, well, that'll move us into our first segment, which, of course, is what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the can! Uh, so Dan, tell me what your swill is and where to find it. All right, so this is, as I promised, the corrected batch of my, uh, what they call spice or whatever. Well, I forget what the hell the thing called it, but this is the one that's cardamom forward. And again, it's cardamom forward, it's just not as overbearing as the last time. So it's delicious. The it spice, has the right the spice melange. The, yeah, it has the correct amount of tinge where I'm just like, okay, I like all the flavor profiles going on here. I really appreciate where you're doing <laughs> Dracula. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna really try to not fucking reference Dune every thirty seconds during this episode. It's fine. Uh, there's a game coming out for Dune. Yeah, I saw that. It looks pretty cool. I, I, they should just skin Eve Online to be Dune. That's probably true. Or like integrate it with Eve Online so you can just like have Eve be the spacing guild and then you go to Dune and yeah. uh, ride a giant sandworm and become the Kwisatz Haderach. Uh, for those of you who are unaware of what Eve Online is, it's a it's an incredibly hardcore uh, like spaceship simulation game that is massive multiplayer. Yeah, and it's crazy. I don't know. Me and my wife were watching Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ralph breaks the Internet and there's like a part in the movie where they have to get a car and from a game and sell it for fifty thousand dollars or something. And I was explaining to her how 
Uh, somebody once sold a fucking battle cruiser in Eve Online for an actual quarter million dollars U.S. Uh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that, but okay, because I, I know, like, anytime like a big Eve Online battle happens, like it, it does grab a little bit of gaming headlines where it's like, uh, 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 like. Forty million dollars of ship parts were lost in Eve Online. In this well, yeah, because like you always try to like you know jump into hyperspace or whatever the fuck if you're losing the battle. Because like if your ship actually gets destroyed, like you'll never financially recover from this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's me. What do you have? I'm. Having some of my Lagavulin 16-year scotch, because uh, I haven't had it in a while, and, you know, I'm I'm treating myself, because I think that I'm doing well right now. It's very smoky. Well, good. I'm glad. Glad you're enjoying your, your thing. I don't know if you haven't noticed, or if you've chosen not to engage with me on it, but I do have my name in the chat window as Sagandi's Ligma. So, it, it cuts off... Like, like it has Sagand, which which sounds like a fan of a Final Fantasy character. So, uh, yeah, I no, I did not see Sagandi's. We have to get the Sword of Destiny to uh, free the Castle of Light from the evil wizard Sagand. Yeah, see, there you go. Final yeah. Fantasy name for sure. So whenever that's in Final Fantasy 16, we're going to sue Sony. Yeah. Uh, Square Enix. Well, Sony, uh, actually, we can sue Sony because it's part exclusive. It, it is an exclusive to the PlayStation 5. So yeah, therefore, Sony put forth publishing money. rights. I don't I don't know if any of this is anything. Uh, sometimes we just talk about things. Let's do the show. OK. Uh, let's move into news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right. Netflix had their earnings call. So Dan, tell me all about the numbers. All right. The big news is that Reed Hastings has stepped down as co-CEO and has been replaced by Greg Peters. Uh, Ted Sarandos remains as co-CEO. And uh, I think it's real interesting that Ted Sarandos was not made full CEO. Well, it seems like they always did like different stuff. I don't know. Well, that's what they say. There's an interview with that with. Uh, new co-CEOs, Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters, uh, where they talk about how they work together and everything. Uh, there's going to be a very, very, very inflammatory comment section about uh, one particular quote, which I will uh, read because I didn't pull it up at this point. Uh, Ted Sarandos said in regards to outrage communities over canceled shows, we have never canceled a successful show. <laughs> A lot of these shows were well-intentioned, but talked to a very small audience on a very big budget. The key to it is you have to be able to talk to a small audience on a small budget and a large, a large audience at a large budget. If you do that well, you can do that forever. Nothing what he said here is wrong. He could have worded it correctly, like better, though, by saying we have never canceled a, a successful show and just been like, <laughs> anything else just said anything else instead of that one statement he basically uh in so many words just said cope yeah uh yeah, exactly. deal with it so yeah uh apparently they in that interview they also said that this was always the plan that they were always going to have co-ceos going forward at least to a certain point where it doesn't make sense anymore 
Uh, and that they said there's data to back it up that companies with co-CEOs actually perform better against the average of the S&P 500. But why doesn't Ted Sarandos, the largest of the CEOs, not simply eat the other two? I, yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, Reed Hastings is staying on as executive chairman, uh, which basically just is like senior advisor, and he gets to keep stock options and still gets to voice yeah. an opinion. But does it is like basically moving into retirement. He doesn't have to work. He just keeps collecting a check. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what executive chairman does. Like he'll show up for board meetings every now and then, and then that's it. And he gets to fuck off into the sunset. And I mean, he's been on Netflix for 25 years. So, I mean, good for him. Holy shit. And he's he's been there a long time. Has Netflix been here for 25 years? 1997. I'm shook. Yeah. That's. So the thing because of who I am that I judge everything in the timeline by is Pokemon. Pokemon's 1997. In America. Yeah. So yeah, this is about as old as Pokemon. Netflix is as old as Pokemon. Yeah, that's crazy. I feel like the end of Saving Private Ryan, uh, where he ages 40 years. Yeah. Oh, for some reason, uh, Netflix, it still has uh, Reed Hastings is one of the CEOs of Netflix right now, and that is uh, not correct. Yeah, August 29th, 1997. Crazy. That's fucking wild. Because it's weird, because I never really heard of Netflix until college. Uh, I was aware of it in high school because. Girl, I was dating her. Her mom would get she was on the DVD plan. Mm. So she would always talk about the DVDs she got and shit. And I was like, that's cool. I'll go to Blockbuster and get my movies. Yeah, I'll go down to the local fucking uh, grocery mart and. They have a fucking video rental section because it's uh, 2002. Yeah, it's great. I love I love that part. So, yeah, uh, that's happening. And I don't know. It's co-CEOs. They say nothing much is happening. There's two big things they're pushing this year. One is the password sharing uh, pricing. They refuse to say the word crackdown, despite the fact that every major media outlet has used the phrase crackdown re- regarding this. Uh, they say that's coming sometime in Q1. So. Very intrigued by this. And then the other thing is keeping the ad tier boosted. And, and like continuing to work on the ad tier. Uh, they they even confront they were even confr- confronted with a question regarding the ad tier being slow to start. And they were just like, I mean, we've only been at this for two months. Like, give us give us a fucking break, bro. Yeah. Which is kind of fair, but also you're a multi-billion dollar company. In, I guess, a couple months, whenever I get booted off of our shared account, I'll be on the, the ad-supported tier, so I'll let you know how it is. Uh, from what I've heard, basically what they're going to do is just make the person who's paying either... It's, it, they're going to probably do a combination of either the person who runs the account pays, or they're just like, hey, person who shares my account, pay a little bit. How much it will be, I don't know. They were testing like two to three dollars. I think that is the correct option. That's fair. I think that's that. I think that's a perfect way to keep everybody happy. It's still a price increase for most people, but but and this is a big but. You can't increase prices again for a while, like a long, long, long time. 
You can't. You ha- you have to you have to keep prices static. Otherwise, people are going to fucking revolt. All right, next. Uh, Bella Baraggia has been promoted to chief content officer. Uh, Ted Sarandos had that position, and now she's been promoted to that uh, ahead of Scott Stuber, which is interesting hmm. because he got promoted to film chairman or chairman of film at Netflix. I don't know what that fucking does. It's different. That sounds like a made up job to keep him happy. Yes, that sounds like it. Yes. Bella Baraggia's promotion <laughs> is, is a promotion. Whenever I was in college, I was active in philosophy club because that was my major. Uh, So like one of the things that I did was like I would actually like do supplemental lessons. So like because people would like the meetings were really unstructured and people would just like sit on the stoop and smoke cigarettes and like discuss movies and TV. And I was like, well, I'm going to do a PowerPoint. Uh, and you're going to learn something that I learned. Uh, so I started doing that. And then, like, I thought that was, you know, a good function to have. So whenever, like, chairs for the club went up, I ran for president. Uh, and I did not win it. And I was like, <laughs> that sucks, because I put a lot of effort into this. Uh, so they created the new office of Prime Minister of Internal Affairs. So that they could elect me to it. And I was like, that's clearly made up. But yeah, thanks for making me feel better. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that is. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Baraggia's promotion is actually a promotion because she moves up from just TV to all content. Scott Stuber. Uh, move from VP of film to chairman of film. Like, huh. I'm sure he gets more money, but on on paper, he just gets a title and his job is no different. <laughs> so that seems like, you know, much like my anecdote, the, the lesson here is that you can try your best and still fail. So the lesson is never try. Yeah. And ultimately, that seems like a, a resume pattern. Like, I actually now expect Scott Stuber to leave within the next two years. Because the the higher up you can go in terms of what your title says, the better you're going to do. Yeah. A couple years from now, he'll be at HBO Max begging them to cancel Velma. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He'll be their chief content officer. (laughs) Or or, or like, he'll be chief content officer at some company. Or or some streaming company. Only fans. Yeah, oh, perfect. Chief content officer. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, I need to that, stop. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, uh, there, there are the titles. Uh, next, Netflix added 7.7 million subs in Q4. That is up from 4.35 was their estimate. It's a lot of subs, buddy. It's a lot of subs. It's also their worst added uh, amount of subs since like 2014 in terms of Q4. So. Every every year they've added more subs than that since 2014 in in the fourth quarter. So yeah, not perfect. Growth is slowing. Who could have guessed this? What uh? Why why so many in Q4 specifically? Like, do people get people Netflix for Christmas or something? Maybe. Also, I think that it's the strategy that Netflix employs of pushing 
around the holidays because in Q4 you have Thanksgiving and you have Christmas. And you're more than likely with your family for Christmas and Thanksgiving. You just watch, if you're not watching football, like I was on, on Thanksgiving, if you're not watching football, you're watching Netflix, in theory. And same with Christmas. You're either watching a Christmas game or you're watching Netflix. And that, and that is the options. So I think that's it. I can't say for sure. That seems like it. All right. On the surface, that looks good. When you actually dig into the numbers, it's actually bad because quarterly revenue has been down. Revenue has been down 118 million from Q2. And actually, revenue has dipped a bit the past two quarters. And most of that has to do with federal exchange. But there's still the problem of uh, ARPU, which is, or yeah, ARPU, which is average revenue per user. And if you look at the Asia Pacific region, Netflix added, I want to say like 5 million subs in that, that, uh, that play, that region in Q4. And the ARPU went from, oh, I fucking have this too. God damn it. I, I, I mapped this out because I was very confused. I was not confused. I was concerned by it. I think it's concerning. Here we go. All right. So it's, uh, it was in Q3. About eight dollars for the first ARPU in Asia Pacific. It is now about like seven or seven seventy. So hmm. that means that the plans that they have in Asia Pacific are good enough to get subscribers, but also way too cheap. And therefore it's harming growth. So the only way you can, as Netflix currently, increase ARPU is by increasing prices. And uh, I don't know if you can increase prices during a recession. So. Yeah. I'm not saying they're in trouble. They're just not going to do as well as they did this year. Next year. In 2023. I think 2023 is going to be a bad year for Netflix. Everyone's going to overreact to it because of everything that Netflix is implementing, such as a password sharing plan. So be ready, everybody. It's uh, it's not going to get pretty. And there's going to be a lot of people saying, wow, Netflix fucking sucks. And I'll just downvote all of them in Reddit threads. <laughs> I'm canceling. Okay, then. All right, do it. No one cares. Just Just cancel your thing and move on. Here, trophy. All right. And with that, uh, I'm done with earnings news. So, Caleb... Talk about Cobra Kai. Uh, it's been renewed for a sixth and final season. Uh, I'm glad that they said sixth and final, because after Sekai Taikai, I don't know where the fuck they go with the show. Although, as I've professed many times before, I would watch it until the heat death of the universe if they uh, decided to keep making it. So there's that. I'll just say I was right. I knew there. I knew six was going to be the last one. Yeah. And well, so, like, yeah. I think like even in the YouTube days, the fucking creators were like, yeah, we plan on doing six seasons. Yeah, they, they said they want at least six seasons. So they got at least six seasons, six seasons in a movie. Ooh, they should do a, mo- a prequel movie about how Daniel San got his karate powers. It'd be interesting. I hope it's set in like 1983. <laughs> uh, oddly specific. I know, right? 
Crazy. Uh, yeah. I, I, I have two theories regarding this. It's either uh, the, they do six seasons in a movie where it's the, this season is an entire build up to the Sekai, Sekai Taikai. And then the tournament is the movie or they just do the tournament and they, they rush all the character building stuff that needs to continue to happen because there's, there's still some dangling little threads that have to happen. Like the first half of the season that I don't know that considering that the show is 10 episodes per season, I don't know if they're going to be able to cover all that five episodes. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Unless I do a super season, like 16 episodes and then break into two parts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much more of this they really need. Because we, we have to get Crease. We have to figure out what we're doing with the other Cobra Kai kids. Like all, all the Cobra Kai kids who are now disgraced because uh, Terry Silver is disgraced. Yeah. We already did Crease going to jail. I don't think he's going to let himself be taken alive. I think the show ends with Crease dying. That'd be great. That'd be exactly what we need for this show. Yeah. A man to uh, fucking die. Mortal, mortal stakes. Yes. Give it to me. Yeah. All right. That'll move us to downstream. Oh, look, there's nothing here for downstream because there were no trailers released this week. Thank fucking Christ. Yeah. Fuck you, trailers. Uh, instead, Netflix did a sizzle reel of all the stuff that's coming out in 2023. If you want to know what Casey Moore and I think are going to be interesting releases for 2023, listen to our bonus episode that posted on Saturday. Uh, and then we'll listen to Quick Hits, where we talk about some other stuff we watched this week. Caleb, what did you watch this week? So I watched a movie, I think it's a Hong Kong action movie. Yes, it's a Hong Kong movie. Called Warriors of Future. Oh yeah, this thing. Yeah. I wanted it to be worse because it's very close to being funny bad, but like also it reminds me of like old monstery movies like Godzilla versus Biolante kind of because uh, it's like, oh, we have to fight the giant plant monster that came from space. Like literally, that's the plot. Uh, so it's like we we fucked the planet with all of our carbon uh, and now you know, the planet's fucking us back by not letting us live there anymore. Uh, so we have to build these solar shades that purify the air so we can breathe good uh, and do other stuff good, too. Uh, <laughs> but then but then a meteor hits in quadrant B-16 uh, and there's not enough Jan Michael Vincent's to go around. And the meteor sprouts a big plant. Uh, and the big plant grows to the size of several city blocks. Uh, and then alien bugs come out of the plant and are attacking the people. But if they shoot the plant with the gene bullets, they can rewrite its genetic code to pacify it and use the plant to purify the atmosphere. Uh, but the evil colonel doesn't want them to use the gene bullets on the plant. Uh, because he owns stock in the company that makes the air purifier machines, uh, and he would lose money. Uh, this leads to conflict with big robots. They cut the flea. <laughs> there are many hizzards in the way. And then a shlami shows up and he spits on it and rubs it. 
Uh, that sounds that sounds very Hong Kong cinema. I'll say yeah. that. It feels worse to reference Rick and Morty shit now that we know that uh, Justin Roiland's a monster. Yeah, that sounds like Hong Kong cinema at its finest right there. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I don't know. The big robot fights were cool. Also, they have uh, like exosuits that they wear to fight people. Uh, and like some of the effects are, you know, as you would expect, not very good. Uh, but then like there's some scenes where they have to do like a big jump or like they're grappling an enemy or something. Uh, and it zooms in on like the the leg of the exosuit and you see like the various fucking like uh, metal braces and servos like locking into place. And it's like, oh, he's going to do a big jump. And then the guy does a big jump and punches the robot's head through the roof of the truck. Uh, and it's real good when it happens. Good. I'm I'm glad I'm glad there was some there's some good parts of this movie. Yeah. I want to see robots fight things. Yeah. I mean that's Pacific Rim. We just want to see robots fight yeah. things. And robots that was fought always things. like I don't know how deep your anime nerddom goes, but like on Adult Swim back in the day there was a show called The Big O. I think we've talked about it before. We have. I've watched a little bit of The Big O. Uh but the Big O was uh, a fighting robot who would defend uh, Neo Tokyo or some other generically named future city from yep. other big robots. Uh, and his power was punching good. So whenever he would punch the bad robots, uh, like he would punch them and then a piston would like pull back from its elbow and then slam forward, driving his fist through the enemy robot. Uh, and it was very good whenever it happened. Yeah, it's a close range robot. Yeah. It goes order, 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 order. Yeah. And then feudal, 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 feudal. He has, he has A's in every rank, uh, except for range, which is C. Is it really fucking C for Star Platinum? I think so. What the fuck? Why? What? He does have Starfinger. He does it twice. Yeah, he does it twice, and then they're like, wait a minute, this is too overpowered. We can't have this for our non-main character anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Every character in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure forgets different powers that they have. I wonder if Polnareff can still use Silver Chariot as a turtle. I don't know. Do you remember when fucking Gold Experience was supposed to be able to turn things into animals, and then if the animal got hit, the person who attacked it took the damage instead. Yeah, I do remember that. That was the first episode and they never did it again. Yeah. Even though, you know, they could have like killed all of the bad guys with it. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Iraqi just wanted uh, <laughs> Iraqi realized very quickly that Giorno Giovanna was not a good main character. So he's just like, yeah, Bruno Buterati. He's the main character, really. Yeah. I don't know. We're going off on too many different tangents. Giorno Giovanna is a good main character, but he doesn't develop as a character. His thing in the plot is that he inspires everybody else to be better and drives the team's development. Because Giorno Giovanna has a dream. Sure. Uh, anything else you want to talk about Warriors of the Future with? Uh, no. A meteor hits and then robots fight a plant. Watch it. Well, okay then. Uh, I watched a singular episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Hail to you. (laughs) 
held to you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's that's all I watched this week. Do you want to share in the time honored male tradition of peeing together outside? I have not watched part two yet. Ah, damn. We, we are. I am currently at the part where his sister has been revived and she's like, don't look at me. I'm naked. And also a zombie. Well, uh, made out of made out of the earth. Well, Polner us chasing after her and finding fucking wild animals just like bitten. And he's like, what's going on? Mon Dieu. And it's just like, just, make, <laughs> just give him a French accent. Just do a fucking horrible French accent at this point. Who gives a shit? Pernerefu. All right. So with that out of the way, let us cut into a quick break. And when we come back from that break, we will talk about a mini view topic for the week, which is Vikings Valhalla season two. Hello there, this is Julio from The Contrarians, and if the following ad read doesn't quite sound like me, that's because Gerald wrote the script. Well, let's see how this goes. <clears throat> Every year, Gerald from Two Peas puts on his own personal movie awards, affectionately called the Golden Peas, honoring the previous year in film. This year will be the first as a YouTube broadcast and we'll have guest presenters giving out awards in seven movie categories including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and Best Horror Movie, just to name a few. And the best part about all of this is that the winners are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. Please help us share and promote it leading up to the event and don't forget to cast your ballot this year. Head over to twopeaceonapod.com slash goldenpeace to see the list of nominees and cast your votes. Then, tune in on Monday, March 13th at 9.30pm Eastern Standard Time to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. We will have some amazing special guests and Gerald will be joined by co-host, the god of podcasting himself, Brian Loisos. We hope you join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. And cut, print, one take. You're welcome. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main review topic for the week, which is Vikings Valhalla Season 2. All right. Uh, season 2 of Vikings Valhalla is the new follow-up uh, action-adventure drama series. Uh, the series is rated a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb and follows the exploits of Leif Erikson, Freydis Eric's daughter, and Harold Sigerson, among other Viking heroes uh, from old times. Sure. Yeah. They exist. This is the thing. Uh, I'll get into what I thought about it. It's it's a solid show. It does nothing to where I'm like, hey, everybody watch the show. It it's great. It it just feels like it's a show that's there that I can pass like six to seven hours watching and mm-hmm. not feel like I've wasted my time. Uh, there are people who still complain about its historical inaccuracies, and I just say, please, for the love of God, just shut up. It's a work of historical fiction. You know those. Like uh, Not everything has to be exactly accurate to what happened at the time. It's fine if things aren't historically accurate. Maybe maybe it's inspired by true events, and they play with the, the events that happen in between, like, Leif Erikson going from fucking Norway to modern day Russia to uh, Constantinople. Who cares? Why? Why do we care that much? Uh, the battles look great when they have them. The fights look great when they have them. 
the production design is actually top tier. Like this is actually a top tier. Like they they really give a shit about the way this this show looks, and I really appreciate that. So yeah, yeah it's a fine show. Uh, you could do much much worse on Netflix with your time. Yeah. Uh, for my part, I think this show grabbed me a lot more in the second season than in the first, because the first season, I don't know, these kind of historical drama things aren't necessarily always my thing. Uh, and then I don't know, I guess I was just in the mood for it. Uh, and I watched it and I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah, uh, it's a quality show. It's at least it's it's at the very least well made, and people mm-hmm. care about it. And this is a competent showrunner, so like this is be- this has a better track record than most things on Netflix, honestly, in terms of like the care put behind it. Do you care about the story? That's your your choice. You care about Vikings running around with one guy being the most entitled piece of garbage ever? No, maybe you don't care about him too much until he throws his furs overboard and he's like. Look, I'm sacrificing. I spent money on these things, and mm-hmm. money is more than human happiness. I don't know. They use well, they call him Forkbeard a lot in this season. He's he's kind of the main antagonist, I guess, for a lot of it. Who? Forkbeard? No, Forkbeard's are, Forkbeard's in the first episode. He issues a couple orders and then fucks off. Yeah, I don't know. He I guess uh he kind of drives the the inciting part of the plot, at least anyway. Um, I don't know. I also like rewatched some of season one. So I saw a lot more of him than like what was actually Mm. in this season, but sure. um, Yeah. I don't know. I like, I think his character is interesting. They haven't really done a lot with King Canute. Like he was a a big deal. And then his dad was a big deal. And then like, uh, it was like the, Queen and some guys running around, and then we would go back to the Vikings doing stuff. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like Britain and their storyline is just like, hey, there's potentially a plot on the Queen. And then there's a plot on the Queen. And ultimately, that whole thing would have been resolved in an entire episode, but they just dragged it out over the entire season with just a little bit of sprinkling to remind you that these characters existed. Mm hmm. Just to keep it fresh. Yeah, I mean, the main three stories are Freitas in Yalmsburg, where uh, everyone's like, look, it's the keeper of the face, Freitas. And her arc is going to be entirely about like her accepting her destiny of being the keeper of the faith, because as we saw at the beginning of the season, uh, some girl's like, hey, are you Freitas? And she's like, Freitas nuts and fucks off and is like, no, I'm not Freitas. And you know, uh, she has to accept her role and and move on. How about fray dis in your pipe and smoke it? Uh, and then uh, Harald is like, yo, I want an army so I can fucking take Norway from Olaf, who has been reinstated by uh, Forkbeard for some reason to a position of power. And then uh, Le- Leaf is, well, they kind of drop this very quickly. Uh, Leaf is like, trying to get over Liv and her death and, and how that's affected him. And we see one, one moment of her appearing in the show and she never appears again. Yeah. And then he learns how to read books. Yeah. So now he doesn't give a shit. He's like, I can read. I don't need disregard women, read books. (laughs) 
So, yeah. Yeah. That's the show, honestly. Like, that's it. I don't know. You can watch it if you want. Some things happen. Yeah. The fights are always good. I liked the traversal of the ice river with a boat on a sled was neat. Yeah, that was interesting. And then the ice starts to break because the Vikings know about ice, but not this Russian ice. Russia's crazy. Thanks, Sarah Palin. Uh, I can see Russian ice from my house. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you like, like I said, if you like high quality looking shows that maybe the story isn't the greatest thing in the world and the acting is a bit hit or miss and Freitas's accent is the, the weirdest fucking thing because she always cuts her E's short when she talks. If you want to if you want to lose your entire brain, just listen to Freitas talk and then just listen for her ease. <laughs> the life of the wife was ended by the knife. Ashley pointed that out, and I'm just like overly paying attention to Freitas. I'm like, oh, I can't fucking hear this character talk anymore. Uh, her E sounds so weird. So if I must suffer, all of you must now suffer. Yes. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about Vikings Valhalla? I don't really feel like diving into spoilers it's just like hey here's this show it's this thing here are the character arts i feel like that's fine well okay then uh, what would you give vikings valhalla uh we'll call it three and a half it's solid yeah i'll also give it a three and a half it's solid to good still waiting for it to be great i'm still waiting for me to be like yes this is something i would definitely absolutely recommend to somebody yeah. I don't know. It bothers me in this show whenever somebody's like, oh, fuck that sword. Uh, the axe is the Vikings true chosen weapon, which maybe Vikings did use axes a lot because it was a lot easier to get those than swords. But there's not a lot of historical precedent for axes as weapons of war. Uh, and this is sword erasure because you would almost always want a sword over an axe in basically any like melee combat situation. Yes. Uh, it's easier to defend with a sword than it is an ax. Most fighting was done with spears because they're hella easy to make easy to teach people. And like anybody can use it. Spears. Good spears. Best medieval combat weapon. Well, uh, just to say one moment, I, I won't say the, the other moment, but uh, there's one moment where, Freitas has a, has a spear and there's a boar charging at her and she does this really cool thing yeah. where she gets real small but then just points the fucking yeah. spear she at braces the boar it against the, the ground and like she, uh, Aikido like she is water uses the boar's momentum against it and flips it over her pregnant stomach uh, impaled on upon the spear yeah yeah that was good I, I, I went oh that's an interesting tactic to use I never would have thought about that yeah uh, I think that's how, like, you would hunt bears and stuff, like, in pre-firearm days. <laughs> I had a weird uncle who never married, never had children, and had too much money, so he liked to go on, like, weird trophy hunts and shit, and one of the things that he was thinking about doing was hunting leopards in, like, Zimbabwe or some shit. And apparently you would like because they would always go into a cave that had two exits. 
So you would mm-hmm. send dogs into one end to flush them out and you would be waiting at the other end with a spear. And when they lunged at you, you would impale it on the spear. Seems stupid. It seems. Yeah, that seems stupid. Like I would only use that technique if I was in mortal danger and had no access to any other weapons. Yeah. And I had to fashion my own spear. Like Rambo. Yeah. The concept of boars just like being out in the woods is terrifying to me. And I'm glad that we don't have them here. Yeah, it's great. All right, Caleb, now it's time to talk about the thing we've been wanting to talk about all episode. Move over into a patron request review for Soryav. Oh, God, I fucking listened to to an entire (laughs) two and a half hour movie about it. And I fucking forgot how to. Suryavanshi. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Yeah. Uh... Soryavanchi is an action crime thriller, uh, Bollywood slash Tollywood. We're not no nobody can be sure. You get it though. Uh, it's a six point one out of ten on IMDb. Uh, it is about Soryavanchi, uh, who is a policeman. Uh, he traces the acts and serious antics of DCP Veer Soryavanchi, the chief of the anti-terrorism squad in India. Uh, antics. It's one way to describe it. Uh, it's a show about cops fighting terrorists. Um, it's directed by Rohit Shetty. Uh, this is the fourth film in his cop universe, cinematic universe, uh, which began with Singham uh, and continued with Singham Returns and then Simba. Uh, we get cameos from Simba and Singham in this movie. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best part. It's where they do the superhero team up. No, 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 no. That's not. There's no probably. That is the best part. I don't know. I really liked Simba's solo part where he shows up and it, fights the man. It made me want to watch Simba. Honestly. Yeah. Well, like the best, the single best shot in the movie is like Simba steps out of the car. He takes off his aviators because they all wear aviators so that, you know, they're cops. Uh, Mm -hmm. He takes them off. He throws them behind himself to his sidekick who, like, catches them with his mouth agape and then puts them on. Yeah. It's fantastic. We love it. Yeah. So, yeah, my take about uh, Sorvanishi is that. Short, so I'm never going to get it right. I can't get names right for some reason. I don't know what's wrong with my brain. Apparently, I need to read Dune. It'll fix me. <laughs> Sorry, Avanchi. The problem with Sorry, Avanchi is that it takes two hours to get to the thing you really want to see. Because I went in with the expectation of seeing Singham at some point in the movie. I was very excited about that. And so it takes two hours for you to get to that point. And in those two hours, there's a little bit of stuff that's like good. And I, and I mm-hmm. really, I really enjoyed like there is a, there's the car chase into uh, the, the helicopter ride with the, the fucking CGI yeah. helicopter. See like green screened 
and superimposed into the Wave Runner shots. Yeah. Uh, which I laughed at every fucking time. The CG, the CG work in this movie, because apparently they couldn't get any helicopter pilots to fly a real helicopter, uh, is hilarious to me. And then, of course, we talked about Simba's scene, which takes place about with like half an hour to go. That was great. And that made me very happy and make me actually want to watch a Simba movie. But outside of that stuff, like, I'm just like, yeah, this is happening. Like, Suryavanshi is not a character I like. They don't do a lot to make me care about him. So that's the thing that's fundamentally different is like Suryavanshi is like dark and brooding and like the film overall is far more serious, uh, which makes it all the more impactful whenever Simba and Singham show up and start just doing wacky shit. Uh, Cause like whenever Simba first shows up, uh, he like comes crashing through the door of a garage, like sending like splinter wood everywhere on top of like the hood of a Jeep, giving double middle fingers to all the bad yeah. people. Uh, and after like an hour of like just a cop hard boiled before that, <laughs> like it's amazing. Such a tone shift, but it was a welcome one because like I expect with bo- these Bollywood Tollywood movies, like, some level of over-the-topness. Yeah. And for the most part, there's none of that. Well, don't get me wrong. Like, there's still impossible things happening, but, like, like it's Like a it's man played... being picked up by his collar from a jet ski by a man yeah. hanging from a helicopter. But it's it's played more, like, almost John Wick-ish and less cartoonish. Uh, and then you get, like, the big shootout out the end and somebody shoots a fucking RPG at Simba and he like moves his one shoulder while walking slowly. And then the explosion happens behind him. (laughs) It was was so fantastic. I was so happy when it was Singham, but yeah, Singham just dodged his bush going like, and that's it. It was so stupid. Unless like I'm really paying attention. I can't tell Singham apart from Simba because Simba has uh, his mustache curled up at the ends. That's true. Uh, Singham just has like the generic cop stash. Yeah, that's the other thing too with uh, Surya Vanishi. I'm never I'm, it's, it's yeah, just Surya Vanishi. So, just think of the right. song. It it does like an EDM drop and goes Surya Vanishi, and then there's cop that. sirens. Sor- Surya Vanishi does have the best theme of yeah. the oh, two. Yeah, it's that, really of, good. Of the two that I've heard. Singham's is whatever. It's like, oh, Singham's here, cool. Suryavanshi's is like fucking awesome, and I'm I, I'm very intrigued to, see, to hear Simba's, but like I am willing to put money down that Suryavanshi's is much better. Yeah, uh, it's still not as good as the best, uh, fucking Bollywood Tollywood character theme song, which was Rams in RRR, because that's yeah. some inspirational shit right there inspirational shit yep i agree so yeah i i i I mean ultimately what i really want to do is talk about like three things two of them are negative well one of them negative one of them is just like this is a bollywood movie and the other is the last 20 minutes of the movie i'll let you talk about those things and then i'm gonna talk about a thing which is rohit ah fuck rohit shetty uh his his cop cinematic universe, 
uh, and all of the things that it encompasses. Okay, so uh, I guess I'll bring up the negative thing. And I brought this up to you when we were talking before the episode. Uh, so the big thing with this m- movie is that Suryavanshi has a wife. And we see the backstory mm-hmm. of his wife and how they, uh, you know, met and had a kid. They had a nice little montage. It was super sweet. Well, whatever. I don't know. Shit. And so we find out that Suryavanshi has been putting his job over his family. And we're like, eh, that's bad. You know, you shouldn't be doing that. To the point where at some point he gets a call and they're like, yo, there's going to be some terrorists at this mall. And he's in a Jeep or he's in a truck with his family. So he takes the family to the mall. He's like, all right, I'm going to find a parking spot. I'm going to go in to get some food. You guys stay here. And then he confronts the bad dude still in his truck. And the bad dude shoot his truck. And then he takes them out. But he finds out they've shot his son. So obviously wife's pissed. And she's like, I'm leaving you now because you endangered our family. And so the rest of the movie is, well, parts of the rest of the movie is just the rest of his fucking task force trying to gaslight this woman into staying with him because it's just better for everybody. Well, like they the kid wanted to have his birthday party with his dad before they left for Australia, which like that's also a thing like Australia. I don't know if you can just move there. I don't know how hard it is to get like you know a fucking visa to stay there or whatever but like Mm -hmm. i think australia is pretty restrictive on immigration like i don't know if you can just go there and stay indefinitely uh i know like at least to become a citizen is like nearly impossible so yes um so yeah i don't know not saying she can't do it or that it pulled me out of the movie i was just like "Eh, that's a choice you can make i guess yeah um but like at the kid's birthday party, uh, Soryavanchi's cop boss pulls a fucking gun out and is like waving it around. And he's explaining his analogy of how the gun and the bullets don't work without each other. Like, you know, you're that my gun needs its bullets like Soryavanchi needs his family. Yeah, that was yeah. a real thing that fucking happened. <laughs> it's uh, it's. It, yeah. Just the, just what they do to this woman, and then like, uh, their one the one guy in the squad gets blown up by RDX, which I'm assuming is a form of C4. Yeah, plastic explosive. And his wife at his funeral is talking to Suryavanshi's wife, being like, <laughs> "Yeah, you really shouldn't leave. You got to be with the family." If only I didn't have to lose my husband. The only thing that mattered to me. Uh, you're so lucky to have a husband who isn't a dead man <laughs> that we just put in the ground 30 seconds ago. It's it's like that was so fucking over the top and stupid. I was like, OK, whatever. Yeah. I don't give a shit. But this is so dumb. <sighs> I don't know. The one wacky thing about Suryavanshi is that he apparently has a disease where he can't remember people's names, uh, which like too. they make it funny like three times. Uh, and then it's just a thing, but then it becomes funny again when he accidentally gets all of their names right for the first time ever. Yeah, I cl- I, I saw that part and I clap. Yeah, and then like he corrects somebody else on a name 
It's like, eh, sorry, Ivanchi, you're getting some character development. Yeah. Doesn't matter. He still forgets names. Yeah. Can't remember Simba's name. All right. I want to talk to you about Cop Universe. Go for it. Uh... So, Cop Universe is an Indian media franchise and shared universe created by Rohit Shetty. That's straight from Wikipedia. Um, I'm going to go through the list of multimedia that it encompasses. Uh, of course, there are uh, the four feature films, Singham, Singham Returns, Simba, Soryavanshi, uh, and their respective soundtracks. Uh, there is a web series that is debuting this year called Indian Police Force. Uh, there is Singham Returns, the the video game. There is uh, a, a trio, triad of uh, Discovery Kids animated series, which are Little Singham, Smashing Simba, and Baby Little Singham, uh, along with a host of Little Singham uh, Android <laughs> games. <laughs> All right. And then you'll be very pleased to know in 2024, uh, a new feature film, Singham Again. So uh, I, I looked, Indian Police Force will premiere on Amazon Prime. So I think these are all going to be on Prime. So we now need to become an Amazon Prime show. I'm I'm here for it. I'll go wherever has the most Bollywood movie. Like, I'm not exaggerating. Like, if we get past, like, let's call it, because I think it'll be the last one that happens. If we get past the end of Stranger Things and we review that, if we want to just shift gears and be an all Bollywood all the time review podcast, I'm here for it. Yeah. Because those movies are at least interesting. They do. They always do weird things. So you always have something to talk about. Yeah. As opposed to regular media where it's just like, hey, we're just a boring old thing that just has standard shit. It's like, no. Bollywood movies and Hollywood movies have at least one insane thing that needs to be talked about in everything. Yeah. Uh, I love it. All right, let's talk about the music video. So there was a music video that was shot for this movie in the movie, in the context of the movie. Uh, it, I don't know. It's, there's not much to talk about with it. It's just like a woman dancing in the rain and she's singing a song. And um, man, you like I, I've Paul complained about like the, the dance number in RRR being like weird and dumb and out of place. And I'm just like, no, makes sense. Uh, if you want to complain about any dance numbers or music numbers being weird and out of place, Paul didn't one. like the fucking Nacho Nacho dance. He's like, that's where the movie uh, tanked for me. I was like, you, you are fucking joyless. Idiot. Get out of here. Joyless. Fucking can't have anything nice. Yeah. But yeah, like in this movie, like the, the fucking music video sequence, like it's just like, oh, we have this thing. I guess Rohit just wants to shoot a music video for some reason. Let's do it. And then they do it. And then it just cuts back to the actual plot of the movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Series focuses on the life and journey of New Delhi cadre IPS officer S.P. Kabir Malik, IPS 
oh, uh, actor, who will go by, who will go at any length to track down and bring down the just, bring to justice the terrorist mastermind behind a series of deadly bomb blasts across the country. That's the plot synopsis for Indian Police Force. So, uh, I tried watching a clip on YouTube of Little Singham just so I would know what the fuck was actually going on. Uh, it It's like Bluey, except that it's a little kid cop who slaps <laughs> bad guys. That's really funny. And everybody learns a valuable lesson. Perfect. All right, Caleb, now let's talk about the, fi- the finale of the movie. The only thing that matters, where, where Simba, Suryavanshi, and Singham all meet up yeah. to, to, to kill terrorists. Yeah. And uh, they actually, you know, get Suryavanshi, like their wackiness rubs off on him so much that they do a musical number about how uh, cops are heroes and they're here to protect you. So this is, um, I mean, you get a lot of it in RRR as well, but like a lot of this movie is about like how intensely patriotic apparently India is because the whole thing is like, you know, these terrorists from Pakistan who are, you know, um, they're pissed off about and they reference like the partition, like whenever India split and like. Pakistan existed because India split in two. Right. So like the, the movie goes out of its way to make sure like, no, no, it's not a Muslim thing. These are the good Indian Muslims who care about India. You're something else. (laughs) I don't know. It's fine for them. If they like it, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, they have to, you know, be able to fight the terrorists, I guess. Uh, But that's that's not the point. The point is uh, they all team up and go on a shooting spree. This movie also like glorifies torture and extrajudicial killing of people outside of the court system. Yep. So that's something that happens like they torture terrorists to get information about the other ones uh but yeah like they they go to fight these 40 terrorists which turns uh it's you know it's like the miracle of hanukkah they they were able to kill the 40 terrorists for eight (laughs) straight nights yeah uh they give simba arguably the best scene in the movie where he just you know like goes through about like eight or ten guys and just murders them all, including a knife throw to a guy, like, well across the room on some stairs. Yeah. Uh, Singham single-handedly takes down all three brothers who they are chasing after. And he does a jump slap. Does a jump slap. Uh, they, and we also see his in, incredible resilience because they uh, break multiple things over his back, including a chair. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, he finds the three, like, main bad guys hiding out there. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we're unarmed. Go ahead and shoot us so you can tell everybody later about what a hero you are. So then he takes the clip out of his gun and sets it down uh, and goes in to beat their ass. Yeah. Uh, and then he does it. 
and then you know sing them simba and soryavanshi drag them all outside and they're like you're gonna pay for your crimes uh and then they say some whack shit about how india sucks and like you know they're gonna come back and blow up people's cars and houses uh and then the three of them just turn around and just unload a full clip into them in full view of you know the news media and everyone yeah and And everyone's like hooray i'm glad they didn't know anything that we needed to know right like you would assume that in Soryavanchi 2, or probably not Singham Returns, or Singham Again, but, like, a future movie is, the, they're gonna have to know, like, okay, where can we find the terrorist leader in Pakistan? Like, come on. Man, kind of impressed with your pronunciation on Pakistan. Pakistan. Probably still not even saying it right, but, you know, that's, like, better than just, like, Pakistan. 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 It's a country that ends in Stan. It's probably bad. Yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things where it's like, why? Like, they they, they said, hey, we're just going to get out and murder again. Like, you, you're, pulling, you're pulling, like, a reverse Batman where it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I can't send you to Arkham Asylum. I'll just fucking kill you instead. Yeah. Why does Batman not simply kill the Joker? It makes no sense. How many times does he have to dis- deploy his Smilex gas before it's, you know, Batman's fault for not just snapping his neck? Eh, sure. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if Fucking... anybody's ever made a Batman story about that concept. Let me just Google this real quick. Oh no, my computer's melting. So, I don't know, fucking Suryavanchi gets his wife back, but then at the end of the movie, he's not even shown with her. Like, the last ten minutes of the movie is, again, him put, him putting his work above his relationship with his family. Yeah. So, he's learned nothing. I mean, in his defense, it's more important to kill the terrorists than for his wife to be happy all the time. I, see, when she got upset with him that he wasn't at this particular meeting, uh, I I actually sided with him at that point because it was like, well, he's catching terrorists who are preventing people from dying around Mumbai. Like, why? Why does going to this fucking meeting yeah. matter? Like, oh, I didn't realize you love terrorism so much. Yeah, it's uh, and then of course the 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 dude on the team dies, so it's like, and the the fucking the one person I think the wife. Of the guy who died was like, if you were there, he never would have died. And it's just like, what? yeah, <laughs> the fucking yeah. guilt. If, if you weren't guilt tripping Suryavanchi, he would have been with my husband and prevented his untimely death by throwing <laughs> the bomb into space. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so good. Yeah, they have to kill the the chubby cop too, though. Because, like, that galvanizes the rest of the team, and also they don't have to have him waddling through the final sequence. Well, this is, this is anecdotal, and this is, based <laughs> off of, this is based off of things that I've heard regarding Indian culture, but I think they also potentially killed him off because he was of a darker complexion. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that's Co- a thing. Colorism, colorism in India is actually a crazy, crazy thing. 
Yeah. That is that is why if you look at a lot of the love interests in yeah. these Indian movies that they're right in. Like Suryavanshi's wife is like for all intents and purposes like a white person. Yeah. Like she looks like somebody on SNL. I don't know yeah. what her name is on SNL, but there is a person on SNL who looks like his wife. No, that that definitely definitely is a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like America. The lighter your skin is, the better you do there. The better everything is. Now I'm sad. And I mean, even all three of the guys are all like relatively light skin. So. Yeah. It's it's a shame that it's just everywhere. It's not it's not one place. It's it's just everywhere that has this fucking shit. Yeah. Even they say at one point, like, even if we somebody says like, oh, I just wish we all had one religion. And someone just says we'd find something else to complain about. And uh, yeah, colorism. Yeah, that exists. All right. Uh, sorry to end this on the down <laughs> note. but <laughs> We're destined to destroy ourselves. It's fine. Uh, so what would you give Surya Vanshi? Uh, 11 out of five. No, it's uh, it's pretty good. It's, you know, we'll say four. I had a lot of fun. Uh, it's not as over the top as, you know, what we might have expected slash wanted, but uh, I had a good time. A lot of cars blew up and flipped in the air, and I liked that. I would say the first two hours of the movie are a two. The last 20 minutes of the movie, probably like a four and a half. So I'm going to go with a two and a half. I think that's the correct rating. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. And if anybody has anything to say about that, I say to you next week on the show, we're going to watch the Tyler. No, not Tyler Perry. No, I insulted Kenya Barris. It's the Kenya Barris movie. You people. Jesus Christ. I know. Right? Yeah. And on the back of that, we're going to be watching young underscore E or Jung E or something. Something. Yeah, that's by the director of Train to Busan. So will it be good? I hope, because he also did Hellbound, and that wasn't very good at all. I don't know. I did see in passing that it was the number one movie on Netflix today, so at least people care about it. That'll be interesting. Will it compete with Troll? Let's find out. Uh, you can find out all about the show at our website, netflixandswill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, uh, as well as our sisters and brothers in arms on different shows that we do. Are they still all? I haven't looked at our website in a little bit. Hold, please. Ashley hasn't posted an episode in a, few, in a couple months. She took January off. Uh, Gerald's posting weekly. I wasn't sure. For some reason, I was thinking that you were going to like that. We were looking to split them off onto their own things. But yeah, you can you can access uh, rabbit ears, two peas uh, and Apple Teeny Plus if it still exists through our website as well. It doesn't really, but we leave it. It, does, there it never cause... really did. <clears throat> Just look just looking at the fucking banner here, which probably needs updated, but uh, <laughs> Beastars, the furry episode where we watched Beastars and a whisker away about a girl turning into a cat. Yeah, we got anime April coming up soon. We got 
fucking there's some there's some interesting oh stuff. Oh my god, are gonna we gonna watch season two of B Stars? Oh yeah, of course. What what do you what do you take me for? Give it to me. We are of course watching season two of B Stars. We're also gonna watch the Junji Ito thing that just came out recently. The Japanese Tales of the Macabre. Yeah. Yeah. I wanna watch that. And then from there, those are the, those are the two that we know that I know for sure we are doing. Other than that, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And Little Singham, if it's there, it'd be great. But it looks like it might be on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I don't have any more seasons of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to make you watch. I know, right? Uh, they should put up the the original. OVA for Stardust Crusaders so we can watch that. It'd be interesting. Or just make more Thus Spoke Kashibi Rohan. I don't know why they don't. Uh, we're lingering for far too long. Uh, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. Which is uh, how I feel about watching two hours of Soryavanchi without Singham. Yeah. Until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.